Welcome to another episode of Dawn of Mantis, this time a mini Mantis. Joe and Sam, how are you guys tonight? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm well, great. Thank you. So episode 13 of the mini Mantises. And and I would uh, I've been the last couple of weeks I've been throwing out like some numbers, some numerology, if you will, to go along with the episode. Um I didn't really touch 13 as an unlucky number because we've talked about that before in other episodes, and that's kind of low-hanging fruit. But in France, it is considered before. World War II, for some reason. It was considered a lucky number. Hmm. Um, Yeah, they even had that on uh, uh, postcards and Lucky Charms, but then the whole war maybe made them, I don't know. That's all I could find on. I don't know why it's not now, but something about, they went through some stuff, I guess. A little, Um, I've heard, yes. Also, 13 is the atomic number of aluminum. In fact, I didn't know this until I looked this up the other day, rubies are aluminum oxide crystals. So, aluminum has a lot to do with the luster of rubies. And in Britain, they pronounce it aluminium. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually prefer that, but I can't say it. So. I can't either. Well, I mean, no, you did. did. But, yeah, you know. no, no, you liar. You just did. <laughs> so that's all I got for the number 13. Fun fact, also 13, legal drinking age in Russia. Okay, so that's okay. Another fact oh, about it, that. It, went, it went up from 12. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, it that's did. That's good, that's good. All right, all right, <laughs> very good. So what do we have tonight? Uh, you know what? We're just, we're chilling out. We're going to, you know, other, I know typically we just stick to topic and never deviate, but tonight let's uh, tell a few stories. Oh yeah. I love stories. We've got a really good one, but I do want to, I do want to, I have to, this happened three weeks ago and I keep forgetting to mention it and God damn it. It was so funny. Okay. Go for it. Sam, three weeks ago yeah. tonight, the podcast is done and we leave here. We stop at this gas station down the road. We walk in, and the girl behind the counter, I see Ivan remembers, we put our stuff up on the counter, and I didn't know he was going to do any of this. Ivan goes to the girl behind the counter, he goes, uh, what are your plans after work? I Just like that. And I'm standing there, I was even hit with the awkwardness. And I was just like, and she just like, was just like, uh, well, I'm going to finish up here and go home and go to bed, you know? And so I was, and then I was waiting for him, like, what is happening? And so... He reaches into his pocket and pulls out a stack of our stickers. And he's like, well, you should listen to our podcast as you go to bed. It's called Dawn of Men. Then I was like, oh, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> She's like, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. No, she actually acted like she might. But anyway. Uh, I think she was relieved I wasn't trying to pick her up. And also, <laughs> I mean, she she was like, and by the end, she was like, yeah, I'll, I'll listen. I'd love to listen to all the stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah but she, maybe she was relieved that I wasn't picking her up it was a tense few seconds there yeah because yeah. i was like this is weird i uh i didn't know this was happening yeah no so, i loved it it was God awesome i had it all planned in my head i said i'm gonna go up and do this she's gonna think i'm asking her out <laughs> yeah because he was just like what are your plans afterwards yeah <laughs> <laughs> so let's do let's go to a different store tonight after this and do that same thing yeah i'm ready we might get more than we bargained for. Some lady might eventually be like, you know, what are you doing after work? And she might be like, hopefully you. Yeah. Whoa! Like, ah! Oh, okay. But instead of doing me, you should listen to this podcast. <laughs> that would be better. I've been waiting for a six foot four ginger to walk into my life. So in our 13th mini mantis, we're going to talk about a man named Ruth Percival. Hmm. Okay. 
he was a killer. Uh, he had permission to kill, which is strange. We're going to get to that. Oh, okay. He ended up in Alcatraz. Oh, cool. Yes. Uh, and then ended up living a long life and dying in obscurity. But let's get to what makes him interesting. So, Ruth Percival was born in Salina, Kansas on May 25th, 1906. Not too far away. Not, not too, too far. far. Was that an hour and a half? Something? Two it hours? Think it'd not be too far. Not very far. Salina, Kansas? Salina. It's not even I, an hour and a half? I thought it was like eight. I think it's north of Wichita. Oh, uh, well, you know what? Yeah, I don't know. You know what, Sam? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to your Why do you know out? things? Your geographical same. knowledge. I'm the Gary Johnson of this podcast. We're supposed to be uninformed. That's what it says. <laughs> Salina, Kansas is 248 miles <laughs> from me. Which I submit is hour and a half away by plane. Is there I like, submit. Is there like a Salina, Missouri? There's a Salina, Oklahoma. Uh, is that an hour and a half away? Uh, I'm trying to, I'm grasping at straws. How far is that away, Sam? I was talking about by Beechcraft. <laughs> well, you wouldn't no, make no, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't go on Salina, Oklahoma is 34 miles. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what I was thinking. And if you drove really slowly, it'd be about an hour and a half. Stand by it. We stand correct. <laughs> oh, man. I like it. That's all staying. <laughs> Little is known about his childhood, and the first time he seemed to come up on the radar was around the age of 18, because it was at this time that he murdered an elderly man during a robbery, and this was in 1924. This crime uh, got him a sentence of 15 years at the Tucker Unit. What's the Tucker Unit, you may ask? Anyone? Jail? Yes. It's a prison in Arkansas, located about 25, uh, 25 miles east of Pine Bluff. You sure about that? Sam? Does that check out? No, I actually... No, yeah. no I believe you. I believe you. I, yeah, actually, I just had to play on that I actually again. fact funny. check what I write down. <laughs> then whatever comes out of my mouth is who knows. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> but along with regular prison life, many inmates back in those days were subject to farm labor and convict leasing. Convict leasing was a widespread practice among southern states anyways that stretched back to the mid-1800s. It is exactly what it sounds like. States would lease their prisoners out for dirt-cheap farm and industrial labor. The practice was so lucrative that it accounted for a whopping 73% of Alabama's total state revenue in 1893. Wow. Alabama was unironically the last state to outlaw convict leasing. They held out until 1928, although various forms of the practice survived until Franklin D. Roosevelt abolished it completely in 1941. In case you were wondering, yes, the practice of convict leasing did experience a huge increase after the emancipation of the slaves in 1865. In fact, you could say that many supposedly freed slaves simply went from being privately owned and forced into hard labor to being owned by the state and forced into hard labor. You know what I mean? It was just a different way of making the same freed slaves still perform your work for free. Well, I used to think that, you know, hey, if you go to prison for something bad, you should have to work your butt off and stuff like that. But then, you know, when you get into reading about stuff like that, you figure out like it's a poor for-profit type of system. Yeah. So it's like, can you have justice when in the back of your mind you're like, hey, that's somebody else that can help us make a bunch of money. Right. So, I mean, it sound, it, off the cuff, it sounds like a great idea, but yeah, I agree with it being, um, you know, at least lessened in, in the government trying to limit that because you don't just want to, uh, then you just imprison anyone to for your own. You're right. To, you know, line your own pocket. How could it not be tainted by, you know, the more men you get out in the field, the more money you're going to make. So yeah, how could that not affect the 
it's really uh, is 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 are, can we be sure that everybody's just going to have the ethics enough to not just go get more people into the jail or yeah. the prison for that? I don't know. It man. seems like logically you would be able to find people that are like, "Hey, are you tired of being inside? I am. Do you want to do some work and we'll <laughs> pay you like and you'll have some privileges in jail?" That seems like legit. And yep. I think that's what they do now. Mm-hmm. Um but but just some kind of you know, bust rocks for twelve hours, and we don't care if you can complain about or if you complain about it, because it makes us a bunch of money. One of the privileges was putting tar on the prison roof at Shawshank, <laughs> and wouldn't you know it, me and a few friends got the opportunity. At least they got some beers, which is pretty cool. Yeah, in the movie, it's ice cold. In the book, it's piss warm. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why that it's stuck in my head, hmm. but yeah, in the book, it's he said it was piss warm bohemian style beer, but it was delicious. But yeah, and then. In the movie, they got cold beer, so. I guess they figured that the <laughs> the people watching the movie would appreciate it more if it was cold. Yeah. Yeah. Drink so up, ladies. Yeah. yeah. Drink up, ladies. <laughs> oh, they didn't read the book anyways. True. <laughs> That's True. right. <laughs> Who reads? <laughs> the Tucker unit was very much a farm labor prison, much like the ones we've all seen in those movies where prisoners pound away at rocks, just like you just said, Ivan. Uh, with pickaxes out in some sun-drenched, dusty field, while a few guards keep a watchful eye from atop their horses just a few yards away. But what a lot of people may not realize is that it wasn't always just guards who were tasked with watching the prisoners. In some cases, fellow prisoners were given the privilege of keeping watch as well, more than likely as a reward for good behavior or ratting someone out. These privileged prisoners would even be handed firearms, and told that if a fellow inmate were to break from the labor line and attempt to flee, they were obligated to shoot the man down. Now, Mm. let's talk about what all is wrong with that. Let's say Jed is pissed off at Frankie, you know, because he didn't give him his toast at lunch yesterday or something, and now Jed is getting to keep watch. Tell me he's not keeping. He's like, where's that little son of a bitch, Frankie? Frankie! Hey, walk 10 feet from the line and grab that rock over there. Oh, he's running. Boom. Like, come on now. Tell me scores weren't settled that way. Yeah. And not just to mention, I mean, if someone's in there just because they like killing, you know, it's like I can kill legally, you know? And they got rewarded for it. Yeah. A lot wrong with that. Yeah. For sure. I mean, give them a a whistle (laughs) and another uh, guard has a gun. Blow this whistle if someone's running. Yes. I mean, you have to give them the gun. Be give them a gun. Yeah. I would see whoever, whatever prisoner had that privilege, and I'd be like, you know, hey, man, remember when I, I, I let you have my mashed potatoes the other day? Uh, you yeah. Remember, you remember that? Yeah. You better double up on those next time. Double up or, on those. Uh, another thing is, I almost think like some guard like hates the prisoner so much, hates, their, hates his job, and he's thinking like, well, I'll give a gun to one of them. And then if he shoots one, well, I hate that one too. Yeah. You know, I hate them all. And then he might get in trouble for shooting. So I don't know. I'm thinking the prisoner it's with like the a gun. Social experiment. Why doesn't he shoot the guard? Take his gun, give it to another prisoner. You've got a revolt, baby. Yeah. Oh, You've yeah. got two armed prisoners, you know, and no guards around that are alive. And then you uh, take a take a run for it. I don't know. I guess he was a trustee, and he was trusted enough not to do that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, ah, that's crazy. Craziness, man. Well, for whatever reasons, Ruth Percival, convicted robber and murderer was handed a shotgun and given this privilege uh, shortly after arriving at the Arkansas State Pen. Solid idea. Yes. And it wasn't too long until a prisoner tried to escape. 
He shot the man without hesitation and was justly rewarded. His sentence was reduced from 15 years down to nine, and he was released on parole immediately. It's like a video game at that point, <laughs> you know? So one life equals a few years. Okay, that works. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I could do the math. I'll, I'll be, they'll owe me time. In, yeah. <laughs> you know? So he's like, I get to kill people and get out of prison and yeah. shorten my sentence? <laughs> That's why I was in here? Yeah. Okay, cool. Sol Roof found himself uh, back in prison a year and a half later, though, after being indicted for shooting a woman in the back with a shotgun. She was trying to escape. <laughs> His apartment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good one-two punch there. Oh. <laughs> Although he was never officially tried for, the, uh, for attempted murder on that. I don't know how that happened, but he was sent back to prison. Oh, you violated your parole. I told you not to shoot women in the back. That's all you had to do. We got to throw this out of court. <laughs> Well, once back in the Tucker unit, he was given the position back of Watchman. Welcome back. Here's your gun, buddy. We can- yes. Oh, by the way, the term for this person was a high power. So if you were given that p- privilege to keep watch, you were high power. High power position. What are you in for? Oh, I shot a lady in the back. Oh, good. Here's a gun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you're the man we're looking for. We need somebody else that can. We need somebody that can shoot people in the back <laughs> when they're running away. <laughs> He's the guy. It's on your resume. (laughs) That's my specialty, actually. That's what I'm really good at. (laughs) Not so much the front, but the back. So, yeah, he resumed this role, and uh, he shot again when he opened fire on another fellow prisoner trying to escape not long after. As before, he was rewarded again by being let out on parole. Here's parole again, buddy. Good job. This time, he was only out a few months before being sent right back to Tucker for armed robbery. In the years that follow, uh, Roof would go on to shoot, maim, cripple, and kill many more prisoners. However, he would not be granted parole for any of these incidences. So I guess the the higher ups at the prison eventually were like, "A good job, but like you might need to just yeah, we're not dummies or anything." <laughs> of the shootings at the Tucker unit, one was particularly eyebrow raising. Roof shot and killed a female inmate who he said was trying to escape. It would later turn out that the uh, female inmate was also pregnant, and many speculated that Roof had, in fact, sexually assaulted her and then staged the shooting to cover that up. So we're talking about a just just a real classy guy. And again, not to beat it at horse, but if you sexually assault someone and they can get away, won't they kind of run? And yes. then you could shoot them. Yes. They were trying to escape. Yes. So but there you go. Don't finish that sentence and say me. They were trying to escape, period. From my crimes. Yeah. <laughs> From my horrible, yeah. <laughs> From my crimes. I mean, my, this prison. This is my prison. Yeah. I mean, he was just, he was horrible. He was a horrible human. Being. Yeah. Yeah. I think this guy's a big jerk. Yeah. There you go, Norm. <laughs> well, then in October of 1933, Roof caught four prisoners trying to escape and shot and killed all of them. (laughs) Eight months later, he was paroled for a fourth time. He probably tells them, like, hey, I'm going to be on duty. You know, be a good time for you guys to take off. Yeah, I got your back. I got your your back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to aim it for your back. I mean, I got your back. (laughs) In December of 1934... Roof was convicted of robbery and for kidnapping a night watchman in Paragould, Arkansas, and sentenced to 20 years. 
However, this time, instead of being sent back to his old stomping grounds at the Tucker unit, he was shipped to a federal penitentiary in Atlanta, Georgia. While back at the prison in Arkansas, Roof had made quite a name for himself and had become both feared and hated by all his fellow prisoners. Unfortunately for him, a few of those same prisoners had also been shipped to the prison in Atlanta, and they immediately recognized him. Uh Uh-oh. Two former Arkansas inmates sent word throughout the prison of Roof's previous treatment of other prisoners, and he became a marked man. How far is Paragold from here? Did you look? Uh, Yeah, like uh, 250 miles. It's like north of Jonesboro. Everything's pretty far. Okay. Roof was the bottom of the barrel in Atlanta and had zero privileges, let alone license to kill other inmates, and was subjected to regular abuse such as humiliation and severe beatings. It got so bad that Roof had to be transferred out of Atlanta within a year. However, any relief he felt about being transferred quickly disappeared when he found out he was being transferred to Alcatraz. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Oh, I'm getting out? Yeah. Where to? Alcatraz. Oh, shit. You got your own island. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Unfortunately for Roof Percival, word of his brutal prison shootings and of his murder of a female inmate to cover up rape had reached... A pregnant one. Yes, Jesus God, man. He had reached the walls of Alcatraz before he did. Oh, no. He's screwed. How does it travel that quick, that far, at that era? You know what? I think each of these facilities have like hundreds of inmates, and I guess all it takes is one. One letter, like a letter sent by correspondents, some, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're writing like crazy, right? You know? Yes. Yeah, because when did this take place? Uh, this was in, like, the mid-30s. I guess this word gets... I mean, somebody gets transferred in, and then they're like, hey, this guy's coming in, you know? yeah. Um, one thing that... I don't know this, but I know this. It, does that make any sense? <laughs> like, I think, and I'm not sure. Some people can tweet us or Instagram us and let us know if I'm right or wrong. I might be an idiot on this, but... You know, we see this thing in movies where guards and prisoners are just like, they don't interact at all, and the guards hate the prisoners, prisoners hate the guards. But I just kind of think that if you're in a place every day, and, and the guards are getting to go home at night, and the prisoners, you know, are staying there, I I think there's just more, like, conversation and, like, respect there than you would think, especially in a lot of these federal ones where no-nonsense type stuff where everything's just kind of laid out and... It's not crazy riots all the time like you'd see on TV. I just yeah. think maybe even more back then. Too. Yeah, exactly. Like, because I mean, there was, I think, more manners. You yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think so. And I just I think agree. some some guy that he did some tax stuff and he went up the river for 20 years or something, just like ripping off companies. Some guard's not going to just hate his guts. Right. You know, they'll probably be like, hey, you know, I. I'm getting screwed over by my by the man too, yeah. you know. And you just tried to get back at him or whatever. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I bet there were a lot of, and maybe you still are a lot of relationships like that. Yeah, and then it could it could be where the guard knew the guy was coming, and they they get the file of the guy, and the guard talks to the prisoners, and like this guy's coming in, and he's done this, this, and this, and you know, I just think that just like uh, word gets around, right? You know, I've seen proof of that. It's been isn't there a I, I might get the name of this reality show mixed up. But wasn't it called Lock Up or something? Locked Up. Locked Up. I don't know. It's like a, and it's in prison, like it does a different prison each time. Okay, okay. But I've seen what you're talking about, and it'll be like, 
a prisoner might have some small infraction for something. Yeah. And I've seen them where they go and they'll talk to the warden or to the whoever. And, and I've seen that where, you know, well, he'll be he, the authoritarian will be like, Bobby, come on, man. You've got, you've got 10 months left. Sure. You know, it's like, I know you're better than this, man. Like, just don't let these guys get to you. I've seen they've had yeah. conversations like that. So I, that's kind of proof of what you're talking about. Yeah. And don't forget the, you know, there is an urgency or, or, or an urge to rehabilitate. I think a lot of the general public thinks about prisons like lock them up and throw away the key, right? But, I mean, some people are only going to be in there like two years. Yeah. So, I mean, in two years, they're going to be a normal citizen like you. So, why would you just treat them like crap all the time? I bet if you did looked at the statistics, this is a total guess, but I bet out of the total prison population, I would say most are there on shorter Sure, stints, like, I would think so. Like 10 years and under. Yeah. You know, I would say probably most of them are not these the lifers or whatever. And the really bad ones are in their own, like, high security type things. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's probably the small percentage that, including myself, most people probably think of when they think of prisons. Like some guy, like, that killed a bunch of people that's lifting weights all day or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's probably a very slim number. I would think so. Yeah, anyway. So yeah, Roof Percival gets to Alcatraz. Everyone there already knows all the you know all the shit he done. So this resulted in equally brutal punishment from his fellow uh, new inmates at Alcatraz as well. Uh, also, once a prison doctor had confirmed the allegations of sexual assault of the female prisoner who was supposedly trying to escape, a light was shed on all of Roof's prison shootings, resulting in a nationwide scandal. Wow, with like a in the prison system. So it was a, it was a fairly big kind of front page deal for a little while in, in the mid thirties. Meanwhile, the horrific treatment from his fellow inmates continued and culminated in a brutal fight with a man named Francis Keating, whom he had previously met while doing time back in Atlanta. After this, Roof was sent to a solitary confinement cell on D-Block and became one of the most closely guarded prisoners of Alcatraz. Even after this, he continued to be uh, ambushed by other prisoners. In September of 1936, Roof sent a letter to James Johnston, the prison warden, pleading to be removed from Alcatraz and sent to another facility at McNeil Island. Johnston denied the request. From here, Roof's mental state took a pretty sharp downturn. The conditions at Alcatraz were terrible, enough to break even the strongest of men, but because of his reputation and the knowledge of his previous actions back in Arkansas, Roof's life was made that much harder by the other inmates. Yeah. By the way, there's a funny thing about, I listened to a podcast where they talked a lot about Alcatraz and stuff. Mm -hmm. The movie Escape from Alcatraz, the famous, you know, mm -hmm. with Clint Eastwood. And yeah, all. great movie. Man, that is so inaccurate. Yeah, oh, and, I figured. Oh my, like, it's so inaccurate. Um, the Birdman mm -hmm. wasn't even there. It's like a 25-year difference between when oh, he was there really? and when the Anglin brothers. and Yeah, it's they weren't even there at the same, not even in the same to, decade. They were just trying to cram a lot of like the famous yes. Alcatraz things yeah. into one movie. And Roof, uh, Roof Percival is in that. Really? Uh, yes, a character based on Roof Percival. He wasn't there at this. He was long gone before, you know, that. Anyways, it's just like all Hollywood. They just take liberties. And yeah. Whatever. I mean, they just have to entertain. Still a great movie, but I kind of figured out last time I watched it, I was like, man, I bet a lot of this is bullcrap. Oh, yeah, a lot. A ton of it. ton of it. Well, along with punishing physical abuse also came mental abuse like the silence rule. Until the practice was discarded in the 1930s, inmates were not allowed to speak to one another or even make any sound unless they were in the mess hall or on one of their brief recreational periods. Mm. Many inmates would later recall how the practice, known as the silence rule, nearly drove them to madness. Ruth Percival was no different. 
and the silence rule, along with the litany of other abuses, finally caused him to become so desperate to get out of Alcatraz that he came up with a horrific, gory plan to do it. By the way, in Alcatraz, it's funny because everyone, th- you know, California is warm, but the water is freezing. Yeah. You know, right off Los Angeles, San Diego, or I'm, uh, uh, what am I thinking of? San Francisco in the Bay, freezing cold water. Mm-hmm. Not literally freezing, but very cold. Um, so they would, the prisoners at Alcatraz had scalding hot water to shower, which you might think, oh, that's nice. But it was to keep them from being acclimated, like they couldn't acclimate themselves to cold water to try to swim across the bay. Wow. That's, yeah. So they didn't even let, they were even thinking that far ahead, you know. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wild? And there's not really sharks in the bay either. That was kind of made up. I mean, there might be a few, but people swim in there all the damn time. Mm-hmm. And a, like a 12-year-old boy swam, swam across the bay from Alcatraz not too long ago. So, huh. yeah. Uh, you so they, they could have made it, the Anglins. That, totally. Because, because uh, Mythbusters, an early episode. Yeah, yeah, I remember. They, it was plausible, they said, yes. that they could have made it. There are certain times of, of day, I think, or is it a week? I don't know where there's certain tides. Mm -hmm. And so it all came down to, well, if it wasn't that night where that tide, if that tide wasn't in that night, they probably could have made it. Mm -hmm. But if it was, it'd suck you right out to sea. So it's just like, who knows, man? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I still think, I still think they probably would have been caught or there would be some evidence later on. You would think so. I don't, I don't think they made it, but. Because you know you rarely ever hear of someone escaping from prison and just like well he was never seen again. No, they're almost always recaptured. Yeah, know? at least some, at least how many there were three right three of them. Yeah, yeah, at least one of them you would think. Yeah, yeah. So in June of 1937, about nine months after his transfer request had been denied by the warden, Roof was working in the garage. We're back to his plan, by the way. Sure. Of how to get out? Of yeah. Uh, Roof was working in the garage area of the prison when he noticed an axe strapped to the side of a fire truck that was parked in the building. He threw down his broom, raced to the truck, and had the axe unstrapped and in his hand before anyone had a chance to stop him. However, it would turn out that Roof had no intentions of hurting anyone else. He dropped to his knees, laid his hand flat on the floor, and, with a maniacal grin, according to witnesses, chopped off four of his fingers. Wow. Was his trigger finger one of them? (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. One guard and a fellow inmate then wrestled the axe away from Roof and quickly applied a tourniquet before rushing the badly bleeding man to the infirmary. There, despite his gruesome injuries, he had to be restrained to his bed with straps so that the prison doctor could tend to his hand. Roof apparently screamed that he had intended to cut off his his other hand and both his feet. It would be discovered that his ultimate plan in doing this was to be deemed insane and sent to a medical center in Springfield, Missouri. Which you would have, I think if you cut off your hands and feet, you you pro- are probably insane. Yeah, I would think so. No, right? I mean, I don't know. I just wonder how he was going to do that, because he cut his fingers off, then he was going to cut his other hand off. Yeah, because what are you going to grip with by the time you're done? Yeah. You got bloody stumps. Should have started with the feet, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should have done two feet and a hand. <laughs> We're know. all going about it like... Yeah, and then you're just going to have a hand left no matter what. Like, yeah, no matter can't what. chop your other hand no. off. <laughs> you need a buddy. Yeah. yeah. Hey, will you be my hand chopping buddy? I can do my feet in one hand, you do the other hand. Yeah, and then I'm just, I can't look. I got a stub here. What am I going to do? So, yeah. Hold the axe to the handle in my mouth. It's just not working. <laughs> it's got a visual of a guy with an axe in his mouth going, ah, ah, <laughs> trying to chop his own hand off. I just can't get enough force. 
Oh, and it is worth mentioning that there, there's also been a dispute from a few people that Roof accidentally shut his fingers in like a big garage door and cut him off. Whoa, but some garage door. That's what I, yeah, right? The general consensus is, though, that is that he did chop them off. Yeah, wow. So Roof's plan to be labeled insane and sent to another facility, that failed. So now he's still stuck in Alcatraz with some wounds. Yeah, um, now he can't count to more than about six. <laughs> his, um, his mental state continued to deteriorate, and he began to hallucinate, claiming that alligators were in his cell and trying to eat him. Mm. He also began a series of multiple uh, suicide attempts and was often caught trying to tie nooses out of his bed sheets and other items in his cell. Um, but they didn't even tie in those. You know, he cut yeah, off his fingers. Yeah, I know. Fingers. Just, yeah, he, dang it, man. My other plan kind of screwed this plan. <laughs> <laughs> this continued for seven long months after the axe incident until finally another mental evaluation was administered. This time, Roof was found to be suffering from dementia, and at long last, he was transferred from Alcatraz to the Springfield Medical Center. Wow, he got his way. He finally did. Wow. Happy ending. Sort of. <laughs> I got to Springfield. If he cut both hands off, there would not ever be a happy ending. It's only like 30 minutes away, right, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. No, no. I, got, no, I, 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 I said it too. It's it it right. Up. I was no, saying that too. And he was like, 300 miles. <laughs> oh. It's okay. In all seriousness, isn't Springfield like about four hours away, three and a half, three hours? Yeah, I think it's like two and a half. Okay, yeah. all right. I just wanted to be right about something. I don't know. Nailed it. His stay at the Springfield Medical Center would be short-lived uh, because soon after his arrival there, he was sent to McNeil Island Prison in Washington State. Now, if you remember, this is where he wanted to be sent to. Remember when he was in Alcatraz and he wrote the warden, he was requesting to be sent to McNeil. It's like... He's trying to get in certain prisons like teenagers try to get into certain colleges. <laughs> if I play my cards right, I can get into Harvard. I'm really and hoping like, for San Quentin. Yeah. <laughs> I just haven't got accepted yet. I think he was just like, maybe this next prison, they won't know who I am. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But because of his past, really no prison was going to be safe. You can't outrun your reputation, right? No, you cannot. Especially that one. Yeah. Well, so as happened in Atlanta and Alcatraz, word of Roof's inmate killing past had also reached McNeil Island. Someone leaked it on Twitter, I bet. <laughs> Can't get away with anything. As he walked in for the first time, you know, because you know he's hoping like, maybe they won't. As he walked in, he immediately knew he was in for another brutal prison stay because everybody was hanging, screaming, fresh fish, like, you're dying tonight, oh, boy, and just yeah. all this stuff. Hey, prisoner shooter. Yeah, he's like, shit! <laughs> Come on, man. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Look at my hand. I feel bad about it. Yeah. I even chopped off my trigger finger. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. did. Get to it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a changed man. <laughs> like in the other prisons, the staff at McNeil had to take great pains to keep Roof safe from the other prisoners. The only job they could give him was cleaning out the other inmates' cells while those inmates were out doing their prison duties. They had to keep him the hell away from everybody. The chore of keeping Roof safe grew so cumbersome that McNeil's prison warden requested that he be sent back to Alcatraz in November of 1941. <laughs> but the warden there felt that Roof would just go nuts again and have to be shipped back out, so he actually denied it. So, Okay. Anytime the staff at McNeil would attempt to place Roof back in general population, back in gen pop, 
They were quickly informed by the other inmates that Roof would be murdered the moment they got the chance. Yes. They were just like, you can send him out here, but we're going to kill his ass. Yeah. Like immediately. And I ain't lying. <laughs> you, meat. you send him out here at noon, he's going to be dead by one. Yeah. So. Yeah. And they, yeah, he would have been. Roof then requested to be permanently locked in his cell. But that request was also denied, and he would suffer several more brutal beatings while in McNeil until finally, in April of 1948, after having spent almost every day of the last 24 years of his life in prison, Ruth Percival was released again. Wow. This time not on parole. It was just like he was done. Okay. You're done. However, this time Ruth was dead set on never going back to any prison ever again. And can you blame the guy? No. Good God. After being released, he moved in with a relative in Gary, Indiana, and never reoffended again, not so much as a traffic ticket. Roof eventually ended up back in Arkansas, where he lived a quiet life until he passed away in the small town of Walnut Ridge a week before his 85th birthday in May of 1991. He is buried in the Sutton Cemetery in Pocahontas, also located in northeast Arkansas, just north of Jonesboro. And so that is the story of Roof Percival. So he he wound up back to where he spent those early days in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Same area. Based on what you said, I mean, the stress of his entire life in prison after he shot the prisoners, I mean, I would say that he probably served his sentence. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great. I hope that he was able to find peace um, in his later life. Not trying to say, hey, that's that's an awesome guy, you know? But what I'm saying is like, do you think he kind of paid his dues in a way? I bet he suffered hundreds of ass beatings. Yeah. Hundreds. Can you imagine? Do you think he was thankful that he didn't succeed in chopping off all his limbs? Because <laughs> he could still walk around and somewhat use his hands. Yeah, the one anyway. Yeah. I feel bad for the guy, but then it's like you reap what you sow also. Yeah, boy, did he ever. Yeah. I mean, wow. And the moral of the story, don't be a suck up. Like in those early days when the... The guards are like, hey, you should watch the prisoners for us. Okay, do that. But maybe like aim for the legs or shoot in the air. Because remember, you're going to be living with those prisoners after your shift. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could probably decline that job. And I'm like, no, I'm not all about like. You know, I'm not going to shoot. Someone. I would decline that because if if a, so, you're screwed either way. If a prisoner tries to escape and you stop it, that now you're on that prisoner's shit list. Sure. If you let the prisoner escape, the guards are probably going to kick your yeah. ass, and you maybe have more time or something. I don't know. So yeah, just don't. That's not a job I'm down for at all. I wonder if you accept it because you're like, well, at least I'm not having to work. At least I'm riding the horse around and true. Yeah. Never thought about the repercussions of shooting a prisoner. He probably could have gotten away with it. One or two times, but it just sounds like I didn't think people escaped that often. Well, you know, like he was paroled so many times. So if he just stopped, yeah. like like on Liar Liar, stop breaking the law, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the first time within a few years he was out after he shot that one guy. So yeah, you're right. That yeah, he totally could have. Just don't kidnap that night watchman. <laughs> don't rob that bank, and you don't have to go back in there. But 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 then of course at the time, but what if I like kidnapping, Joe? What if I like it? <laughs> I like it when the men look at me, mama. But at the time, he wasn't scared to go back because he was just like, well, they're just going to put me back on that horse and give me a shotgun no, again. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So it wasn't until he was sent to the other prison, you know, that he started, you know. But even he, I think he even reoffended after then. Mm. So anyway, I don't know. Maybe just not a really bright guy. (laughs) It doesn't sound like it. Heck heck of a shot, though. Heck of a shot. Yeah. He could shoot a prisoner from 100 yards away and a woman. Thank you for listening to the, the saga of Ruth Percival. Yeah. Good night. Good night.